0: You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za. Happy Mother's Day to all the beautiful moms in our Collective Church community. There is a deep treasure in motherhood, a gift wrapped up in those once tiny little babies who grow up to be bigger than us. Um, in that they teach us to really love and they teach us to really lay our lives down the Jesus way. One of my favorite poets, Maya Angelou, says that a mother's love liberates. So to all you liberators in the collective church, we love you and uh, we want to honor you for the way you lay your lives down for your children. Um, We see you and heaven sees you and today we celebrate you. I also want to celebrate the women in this community who are spiritual moms. There are so many of you. You brood over us like eagles over a nest. You pray for us, you fight for us. You send us words of life and encouragement. You push us out when it's time to fly. You share wisdom, you impart vision. You teach us how to walk and you model how to talk and you protect us and you know when to let go, thank you. And to those two cute little people, Sammy and Ruby, who made me a mom, I promised them I would give them a shout out. (laughs) I'm so excited today to share with you guys about uh, the king and the kingdom and living water. This season has created a deep hunger in my heart um, and I hope yours too for the king and his kingdom. I'm gonna start in one of my favorite scriptures in John 4, it's the woman at the well. So Jesus is en route to Galilee, and he takes the least traveled road for one woman. He meets her at a well in a village um, near um, a Samaritan village, uh, which is not exactly on the Lonely Planet recommendation for Jews in those days. He sends his boys out to get supper while he goes to sort out a whole village courtesy of one woman, a woman with a bad reputation. She's probably one of the least popular citizens in that village. Everyone else was going out to that well in the cool of the day, but she went at midday because the heat of the sun was more bearable than the sting of shame. You see, pain is full of detours. She finds herself at this well with the Messiah. And it's so important when we read the Gospels to read both with the idea of Jesus as the divine, and Jesus as a human. In his humanity in the scripture, he's tired, he's hungry, he's thirsty. In his divinity, he knows this woman better than she knows herself, and he plans to interrupt her daily routine, her chores, and to give her himself. What's so interesting about this well is that it's Jacob's well, which you can go and read about in Genesis 48. Jesus kicks off this conversation with the Samaritan woman and he wants a sip of water that she's come to draw. She's surprised, why would a Jew want anything from her? She reply, he, Jesus replies and he speaks of himself as both God and man. He's a gift and if only she knew um, what he could give, living water, she would be asking for it from him. She's confused, what could be better than this water from Jacob's will And Jesus starts to explain, there is a big difference in drinking from this well and drinking from his well of living water. Now more than ever, I don't know about you, but for me, the wells of this world have proved themselves to be insufficient and dry. We are thirstier than we've ever been. We've been drinking and drinking from the wells of success, of business, of busyness, of distraction. You can add your own list, that's mine. And still, our needs have not been met. We've been found wanting and this global pandemic has opened up this thirst and this hunger in us for the king and his kingdom and for living water. You see, Jesus promises her and his promise still stands. Here's the water that truly satisfies. If we drink of the blessing and mercy of Jesus, we are never thirsty again. And that's not all. It wasn't just for her and it isn't just for us. This well is not a little pool of blessings for Christians to gather around and slash each other in. She runs back to get the rest of the town because the nature of this living water is that when you drink it, you overflow and you want others to have in, regardless of whether they've been cruel or kind to you. I love so much about this chapter. Um, Jesus changes the conversation when he says to her, go get your husband. He knows full well the state of her heart. She dodges the full truth, but he knows. Jesus doesn't shame her or expose her, but he refuses to leave her in the place that he found her. Living water is like that. He wants freedom for her. He wants freedom from the pain, freedom from the guilt, and freedom from the sin. Freedom from the pain of the path that she's been walking on. He tells her things that only he could know, and he shows her in that who he is and that he's always been with her. She almost seems to me uncomfortable in that moment. And she suddenly asks him a theological question. Well, where should we worship? Should we go to uh, the mountain or should we go to Jerusalem? And he points out that her religion is so man-made, but wait, because with his coming, he says to her, worship happens wherever you are. If you're in a field, if you're at a well, if you're in a prison, if you're at home alone in your room during covid While you make supper, while you go on your morning walk, while you bath your children or you drive to work, your spirit can draw near to God in the heavenly sanctuary of your heart by faith. She drops her water pot and she runs to spread the good news. What is the spirit inviting you and I to leave behind in this season so that we can run unhindered and throw off everything that's entangled us? What are your water pots? the things that you've been gathering and collecting and filling your time with and filling your space with and filling your heart and your mind with, and they just actually don't satisfy anymore. She runs to call the whole town to attention, and history tells us that that whole area comes to Christ because of her, and she becomes one of the most prolific apostolic um, voices of her day. You see, this living water flows from somewhere and from, flows from someone. It's the throne of God himself. One of um, these mornings um, during lockdown, I was sitting with my journal, as those of you who know me well know that I love to do, and my children were drawing and painting around me, and I was wondering what should I paint, and I, I felt like I should paint leaves, and I had no particular reason for wanting to paint leaves. So I started to paint the leaves, and while I was painting, I said, "Jesus, why leaves?" And I felt him remind me of Revelations 22:2, that the leaves from the trees along the river are for the healing of the nations. I was thinking while I was painting, nations are obviously sick if they are trees with leaves on them, for their healing. These trees are planted along a heavenly riverbank, and they bear fresh crops every month. Their leaves are medicine. It spoke to me of God's ceaseless provision in each and every season, even this one, especially this one. And it spoke to me of perpetual health that sprouts from these leaves. And then I was reminded of Psalm one I'll read from the NIV. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And he meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And then I was led to Ezekiel 47 and the healing waters. See, Ezekiel has this vision of a river that flows from the temple. It's full of life. It's full of health and abundant fruit wherever it goes. There's an invitation in that vision, which is still an invitation to us today. Step in, okay, you're ankle deep. Come on in, oh, you're knee deep. Now you're in, in your waist, it's time to swim. Trees also grow along this river on both sides and the waters make the salty waters of the Dead Sea where nothing was growing or living, fresh and pure. Swarms of living things flow wherever this river goes. Fish appear in the Dead Sea it says. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen stand on the shores of the Dead Sea now because of this. Fish of every kind fill the Dead Sea in this vision. Fruit trees of every kind grow along the river. The leaves never fall off or turn brown and there's always fruit on these branches. There's food every month Fruitful food, leaves for healing. Guys, this is a manifestation of the kingdom because wherever the kingdom is, the king's rule and reign is established. And this for me is also a picture of Pentecost when the spirit gets poured out. This is what happens. You see, this life-giving ministry of the Holy Spirit um, is in our lives. We are both drinking of the living water and becoming trees on the banks of this river. Our lives are fruitful, life-giving, blessed, and prosperous. He is the vine. We are the branches if we just abide. Jesus, it says in Mark, makes us to be fishes of men, fish of every kind. You see, the kingdom's gates are open to all mankind, and the kingdom coming is not the whole world looking like a little Christian box. We need to reimagine the world where every kind of fish, every kind of human comes alive in the living water, comes alive in Christ. We need to dream bigger than our little religious boxes. We need to reimagine the world with the king. We need his kingdom to come in greater measures into every space of our lives. Um, At the end of 2014, it was a hard year for us. Um, We were on holiday in, at the coast in Durban where we come from. And on the last day of the year, um, I had a dream, which is really the um, the song that you'll find on our collective album, it's called Found My Place. In this dream, um, Jesus invited me to come into his vineyard. He said, come take your shoes off. And I took my shoes off and I took his hand and we walked, um, the grapes squishing beneath our feet and between our toes. And he said, look, I want to show you how to see what I see and how to feel what I feel. And I started to look around in his vineyard and we started to run and I was holding his hand. And suddenly I just saw thousands of people. And then I, the dream kind of changed and I was lying back in this vineyard with him. And I, I looked over and his hand was under my head and I sometimes think that must have been what John felt like when um, he said he put his head on Jesus' chest, because no one puts their hand under my head like that um, other than my husband, the one that I love, but Jesus. And and that's why I wrote that bridge, um, Jesus take me to your vineyard where I run with you, holding hands with you, with your hand under my head, I wanna stare at you, it's all that's left to do. It was um, such a picture to me of intimacy, And that's what our inheritance is, to see what he sees and to feel what he feels. That dream was an invitation to reimagining the world, to seeing the way he sees, to feeling what he feels, to abiding. And I believe that's such a key for us in this season, that we would be the ones who are reimagining the dead seas around us. Imagine what living water flowing into them looks like. Living water within us and making places come alive. Are you in business or the arts or ministry or you're maybe a stay at home mom or an entrepreneur or you're in school or you're retired, uh, maybe you're an educator or in the medical field? You've been given gifts and your story is so important, it matters. I want to encourage you this week to reflect on what it would look like for the kingdom to manifest more and more in your spheres of influence for the spirit to move in you the gifts of the spirit to flow in equal measure to the fruits of the spirit at work in your life if we can look at our world right now with kingdom eyes the eyes of faith instead of the eyes of fear Um, And there's such a war for that right now, for us to be um, settled and in a place of faith and not um, just overcome with fear. Emmanuel, God with us, God with you and God with me in everything that we do. I love um, this moment in scripture. We all know it so well. we where Jesus calms the storm, where he's in the boat with his boys. They're crossing over to the other side of the lake, and this fierce storm comes up, and waves start breaking into the boat. I mean, you can imagine the scene, and I want you to imagine Jesus, in his humanity again, is sleeping, and water is starting to come in the boat. I think lots of us feel like that now. The wind and the waves must have been crazy, and The disciples are freaking out. They wake Jesus, and I find the way they wake him to be so fascinating because they actually wake him with an accusation. In my um, New Living Translation, it says, shouting. They say, don't you care? We are going to drown. Um, I think often our fear and our panic reveals our accusations against the Lord. Um, What a thing to accuse Jesus of not caring and saying that, you obviously don't care, we're gonna die. And I was thinking about it um, a lot in the last week and I was imagining it and likening it to, in a way, um, if, if it's late at night and I hear a scary noise outside and um, my inclination is to reach over to my husband Ro and say, babe, did you hear that? Um, it would be bizarre If I got to a place where I woke him, screaming at him, Do you not care that we are going to be killed? (laughs) Um, I know that's a little bit of drama, but I add some effect there for you to get the picture. You see, I know Rose Hart, and I know that he will take bullets for for me and the children um, if it got to that. How much more Jesus? I think what fear does is... Um, invites us actually into a greater revelation to know his heart if we'll surrender it to Jesus. So when the storms of life come at us and you feel like the disciples in the boat, like you're going down and all your fear comes tumbling out, I want to encourage you to go into those accusations and what they're revealing about who you believe Jesus is. Um, I say this to my kids often, Jesus has got broad shoulders. He can handle whatever you want to carry, uh, load on him. Um, we think this stuff, um, but some, for some reason, we don't often bring it into a process or a conversation with the Lord and invite him into those conversations to speak truth over us. I love what Jesus does there. He calms the storm, so he deals with the wind and the waves in his divinity. He deals with what's coming at us um, But then he also deals with the storms that are within us. He says to his boys, he says, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Um, And I think, you know, these guys weren't full of the Holy Spirit yet. How much more us, sons and daughters, full of the Spirit, can navigate these tricky waters of the world right now? He loves us so much, and he is so for us. And another thing I love about this scripture is, and we've said this before in our community, but it's a good time to be reminded of this again now. We have to know what to be asleep to. Jesus was asleep in that storm and we have to know what to be awake to. In a garden later, when Jesus is about to face his brutal death, he asks his friends, please stay awake with me and pray. Um, And they couldn't. So we need to know when to sleep and when to stay awake and pray. And I've wondered why he asked his disciples to stay awake and pray. It wasn't like they would be able, that their prayers could change his death. He was still going to the cross no matter what they prayed. So it must have been that if they prayed, something was going to change inside of them. I don't know about you, but I want this king and his kingdom more and more and more in my life. This kingdom that's increasing and ever-expanding. In Matthew 5, Jesus lays out this constitution, if you will, of the kingdom, the Beatitudes. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, says, Jesus has dug wells for us. He's speaking about the Beatitudes, wells of life and salvation. But they've become filled up with all kinds of cultural and religious junk. The Beatitudes are the way that we redig those wells of life and salvation, the way we cultivate the interior life so that we can experience the grace of God and find ourselves more readily in the neighborhood of God's work in Jesus. Digging out those wells is hard work and hard training, but there's fresh water there. I'm gonna read um, the Beatitudes from the NIV um, in Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And for me, that is about acknowledging our helplessness without God, our God's sufficiency instead of our self-sufficiency. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. I think learning to mourn over what Jesus mourns for is so beautiful, sharing in his sorrow, because only on this side of eternity will we get to cry. There are no tears in heaven. Even Jesus cried on the earth and we are blessed when we do that because I think that's when we find the spirit, our comforter. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. When we claim nothing as ours, we can inherit the whole earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. There's a thirst no earthly stream can satisfy and a hunger that must feed on Jesus or die. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the peace, uh, the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. For me, that's those who are actively intervening to make peace. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because your reward is in heaven, for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is so counterculture. We should probably be reading it a lot more and memorizing it, because it is such a different value system. It's a different standard. It's a different devotion. It's a different attitude. It is kingdom, and we so quickly forget. But you know what? This is impossible without the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who produces any fruit that's in our lives. The Galatians 5:22 fruit, peace, love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, that's the fruit of abiding. And I know this is such a simple thing to say, but it's true. Kingdom life is the Spirit life. When I dwell on this, I realized that sometimes um, there's been very little kingdom coming out of my life. In some spaces, I've noticed how this season has caused my once clenched fists to begin to open. They were just grasping to rush, to get and to have, um, and that made them closed to receive. In other areas, I've noticed that my arms were crossed with pride or with self-sufficiency and not open to embrace. I love this quote. Our true humanity is found in the fact that God created, God saved, and God is wanting to recreate us in the image of His Son. And we can't be recreated in His image if we cling to the image we've made for ourselves. Jesus says in John 7, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit hadn't been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So guys, let's drink. Jesus interrupts us, and Jesus wants to still interrupt us in our comings and our goings, like he did the Samaritan woman. His kingdom is in our midst, Luke 17. And we are hungry, and we are thirsty for more. At the beginning of the year, I asked the Lord um, for a word for 2020. I said, what, what is the word you want me to dwell on? And he said, peace. Little did I know three months later how much more real that word would become. And that is more than a word in the kingdom. That's a person. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Um, he also said to me that for our community and for for me and my family that 2020 would be a year where the kingdom was established in our lives in a way that we would still be talking about it in 20 years time so that's my prayer for for us as a community that this establishment of the kingdom and what it means to live um, with the kingdom in our midst all the time um, just become so real so that is all that i have to share with you today um Love you and miss you all very much. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za.